What is up, fellow thermonuclear AFers? I am Dan Favalli coming at you with another NBA team look ahead, ahead of the 22-23 NBA season. We are on at long last to the Brooklyn Nets, and I have here, I'm super excited to get to speak with, for the first time, Matt Brooks. Um, he covers the Nets um, for Nets Daily. They are ubiquitous in the, the Nets media circle, so you, of course, know who they are. And he does some NBA content for basketball news, and he's the host of the Clear Out podcast, also under the Blue Wire umbrella, at Matt Brooks NBA. Follow him on Twitter immediately, and it's spelled exactly as it sounds. Matt, I have many questions for you, but the most important of which is, how the heck are you doing? Hanging in there. It's pretty good. This is the most refreshed I've felt coming into a season. You know, media day, there was no there was no Zoom going on like last year. Um, last year, of course, Kyrie Zoomed into to the to media day because he was unable to go because of New York health regulations, which I think was a precursor for the season this year. Everything's gone very smoothly so far, so I'm doing well. Um, that's awesome. And, you know, this was a team when I'm trying to do all these look-aheads, I map out teams I, I need to wait. And I hate asking people too close to the start of the season because I know it's busy. But then there are teams where I'm like, they're so combustible or potentially dramatic. I can't ask them to go too early because this will just become outdated. And I was looking at the Nets. I'm like, maybe they got all the drama out of their system. But I waited anyway. But it really seems like we were just talking about, not for the whole year, but like for now, looking at training camp and being able to focus on the roster, how they'll play. So much shit happened over the offseason that was almost like, okay, well, they checked all those boxes, and now we can actually just focus on like what this team might actually be. Yeah, I think uh, KD had a quote that was, what, two days ago? Yeah, two days ago at practice, he was talking about, you know, kind of we're going to learn who we are when we go through a losing streak, which I thought was like kind of like it's, – it's super accurate. It's also just kind of like that's the best way to describe the Nets right now. Like things are good right now. We're not going to know until there's an injury or if they go through a little skid. I mean, they have a pretty tough schedule, even just starting out. I think they play the Grizzlies, Raptors, Bucks, uh, and two other teams that are uh, – Dallas, I think, is one of them. So they have, like, a pretty tough schedule to start, and that's a really going to learn about who the Nets are. But for now, yeah, vibes are good. Seems like good things are happening so far. We do have to start there, though. With everything that happened over the offseason, the Kyrie contract negotiations, him looking for a sign-in trade or a different different team not being able to find it, Kevin Durant reportedly requesting a trade, Kevin Durant reportedly wanting Steve Nash and Sean, Mark, Sean Marks fired. Uh, everyone's just still here. Like They're all just still here. Are we really supposed to believe that this is all okay now and they can coexist for at least the entire season? I, I mean, I guess I don't, I feel like it's been a, I'll say this, like, I think it's been a really humbling last year for every star and, and really everybody involved with the Nets. Um, you know, the early exit, I think played a pretty big role in Durant uh, specifically wanting to leave. I think that was humbling for the front office, for the coaching staff. Um, I think it's fair to say the Nets have not taken this regular season super seriously in years past resting guys um i just don't know how much urgency there was this year there feels like there's a little bit more from top down at least from front office to coaching staff and then for the players i mean Kyrie had a very humbling uh summer which he addressed in media day i thought that was really interesting um basically saying hey like i'll be real like i tried to look for other suitors and there wasn't really anything there uh which has been pretty widely reported ben simmons is of course like looking to come back and just figure out a good home for himself. I think it's been a very humbling year for him. And then Durant, you know, being what one of the two 
most market three most marketable stars biggest stars in the league uh asked for a trade and was not able to get traded so it's like everybody's been humbled in different ways i mean we can be honest and uh you know like let's be real uh so i think you know for everybody involved it was pretty humbling and now it's like we're kind of at ground zero we're gonna see where it goes I, if you had to like, not even predict, but it's just like, are you at the point where you're trying to analyze what this team is and can become, but you also in the back of your mind, in the middle of your mind, at the fore of your mind, just have to brace yourself for like fucking anything, like not even the worst, just like something you don't even see, like, you know, Kyrie, like start like quitting and starting a career as like a musician or like, I, I just, you could tell me any scenario about this team, anything. And I would just be like, you know what? Yeah. Okay. I see it. Yeah, I've like pretty much gone through everything in my head that could happen. Like it would be like Joe Harris, you know, the ankle isn't isn't what, you know, it, it, two surgeries later, he's still not 100%. Seth Curry has trouble getting back from his ankle surgery. TJ Warren is a hologram. Um, you know, like every like and then they they start out what like 5 and 10 um and and then Nash gets fired, then Durant's gone at the deadline. Like it's like everything bad that can happen will happen before February. So it's like if they can just get through that stretch, I actually feel pretty good about them. Uh man, a Kevin Durant midseason trade would just be weird. I'm trying to remember when the last time like a top five player was traded in the middle of the season. I don't I don't know that James James Harden was not playing at that level when he yeah. was in Houston and came to Brooklyn at least. Um, so that would just be that would be wild. You had mentioned um you're talking about their start to the season. They have some built-in excuses if things go wrong, like because the TJ Warren stuff, we know he's not ready. I thought that was a super intriguing signing, though, if he can get on the court at all. Yeah. Uh, but are there any like long-term concerns for Seth Curry still being out with his uh, ankle issue? They're all foot issues, and then Joe Harris, like, is this just precautionary that they've they've held him out, or is this something that could be you know lingering? Yeah, they're saying it's precautionary with Joe. Um, if they're saying like it's just soreness from not playing for a while, which I mean, I'm not a, I'm not gonna sit here and speculate on that. Um, I, I guess I'm just like a little, I'm just sort of watching that situation from afar and being like, all right, is this gonna be a lingering thing? Is it gonna be he's able to play for two games and then he's not, you know, fully like I just kind of he's a guy that was such an. I don't know, such a rock for them and able really rarely miss games. So now if that's going to be a thing with him where he's in and out of the lineup this year, that's something to watch. Um, And then, yeah, I mean, Seth, it seems like he's just, he said he was like 85, 90%. I feel a little better about him in a way, um, mostly because he hasn't had two surgeries on the same left ankle in the last year, um, which is not a good sign. Uh, But, you know, again, like I think, I mean, the Nets, with the Nets luck, both of those guys are going to be hurt throughout the year. But I feel like you're going to get one or the other at, at, at some point. Maybe you get both. Is is Seth available for – Will do you think he'll be available for opening night? Like, he hasn't even done five-on-five five work, I was reading. I think just yesterday. And so, yeah. for, they seem so optimistic. And if you're at 85 to 90%, like, that's only 85 to 90% of, oh, I can begin, like, five-on-five five work, 85 right. to 90%. I'm not all the way back. Yeah, especially for a team that's as cautious as the Nets. And I just feel like the last couple of years, if anything, it's made them more cautious. You know, with the James Harden thing, for example, uh, two years ago, they bring him back and he re-aggravates the hamstring, I think, against the Knicks. Um, and so I just, I feel like in a way, if he's not already doing five on five, I, I don't know how long he'll be out, but I certainly don't think he'll be there for opening night. Uh well, that kind of sucks. But again, that's if things go off the rails, it's like, oh, well, they don't have Seth Curry. Or I guess at that point, though, it's if, you, if Joe Harris is back, 
and then you're not really do we know anything additionally on tj warren other than we don't think he's a hologram uh he's supposed to be reevaluated in november that's they that's kind of the stop the timeline they've been sticking to who knows um i mean like i if you ask me do i think i'm gonna see him play basketball in 2022 i'd probably say no but that's just because november is like you know then you only have another month you're just reevaluating. Like, you're not like, all right, you're going to get out there and do five on five. Like, it's like, we're going to be like, Hey, we're just going to kick this down the road and see where you're at. Um, I will say like on the, the built-in excuse thing, I, I do feel like that's a little bit last two years, Netsy where they're like, well, you know, and that was always something that Nash would do after, you know, even after the Boston series, it was like, you know, like we never really got our team together. Uh, you know, we just never got that continuity. And like, at a certain point, it's like, all right, like how many times are we going to keep, throwing this excuse out there in a way like at a certain point you have who you have and you have to win games that way. So I, I would, I would hope they don't do that. I think that would be indicative of this team not growing from their, what they've learned over the last couple of years. I will say I am just mentally preparing for TJ Warren, not to like be back until almost the playoffs because that they got him at the minimum, unless he's just in love yeah. with Brooklyn or really wanted to play with like Dayron Sharp or something. For some reason, there are so many teams where I was like, I would love to know what his medical said because there are just so many teams where I would have thrown the, at least the full mini MLE at him for a year and said, yeah, you don't have to play until 2023, but as long as you're here, uh, we'll, t- we'll pay you. Yeah. I, the, like they got right in front of that pretty quickly with TJ just being like, yeah, we're going to reevaluate him. Like there wasn't, there wasn't any, you know, th- this was not something they were wavering on. So that's like, for me, I heard that right away and I was like, I don't know. I mean, I don't even know, like, if, if they do get him back, let's say he comes back I mean, as late as after the All-Star break. Like, do you try to get him into the rotation, or do you already kind of have your rotation set? And it's like, all right, well, I don't know what we're going to do here. Like, I'm, I'm not – I really like TJ. I, I, I think he, like, represents a mold of a player that can be super beneficial for the team. Uh, but it really depends on, like, when he's able to get back. And, you know, I, I just – I don't know. I'm not penciling him in as, like, a guy they're going to be leaning on, I guess. And I think probably his most valuable attribute to them is the way he improved on ball defensively in Indiana. And yeah. that's something it's like, well, can you count on that when he hasn't played basketball in two years and has come back from this foot thing? Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I did a whole big like nine minute video. It was like really one of the big off season projects I did on him. And like the two things that stood out to me and I think would be really helpful for the Nets was one, like, yes, the on ball defense that you mentioned. I also really like that they're kind of mixing in some degree of drop, some degree of switching. I think he'd probably look a little better um, in a switching scheme where he doesn't have to navigate screens as much. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something I'm pretty high on for him. And then just the way he plays off ball, his cutting, like based on how much movement this team is already playing with, that guy's going to be really, really beneficial for for what they're doing. But again, I mean, he needs to get on the floor to actually do that. I'm sure everyone who's listening expected us to devote um, the first huge portion of the podcast <laughs> to Seth Curry, Joe Harris, and TJ Warren. That was... That was always going to be the plan. Uh, ben Simmons <laughs> is on this team and playing basketball, which has been fun to see. Um, what have just been your early impressions of his fit on os- offense? Anything that's pleasantly surprised you? Anything that's still um, concerned you leading into the regular season? And this is with the caveat all preseason is preseason is preseason. But what are your early impressions on him? Yeah, uh, like, you know, I mean, it's it's so cliche, but his aggressiveness is really going to dictate what he looks like night to night. And that's actually the big thing I'm watching for in the first month is not what he's doing on offense, not what he's looking, you know, doing on defense, although he brings brings it pretty much every game defensively. No, it's like just what is it like to track Ben Simmons for a whole month? Like, are you are how many games are you like? I don't really know what we got from Ben there. It's like, wow, this was the Ben Simmons 
you know, this like athletic Draymond Green uh, idea that we've, right. we've kind of fetishized. Um, is that kind of what we're getting day to day? So that's what I'm really curious about. Uh, I think yesterday against the Bucks again, I don't, I'm kind of, we talked about this before we, we went live here. Um, I, I don't want to glean too much from preseason in general. Uh, that's, I don't know. You can guess I, I mostly look for schemes and um, just general uh, macro ideas on teams, mm-hmm. but um, I thought it was kind of interesting how they used him a little bit, you know, using him in the short role, letting him make plays. I've always kind of, when thinking about the fit between him and Nick Claxton, which on paper can be clunky, I've always compared a little bit to a Brooklyn version of Lob City where you have Claxton hovering around the dunker spots and then you have Simmons kind of playing in the Blake role where he's going to be short rolling and it's he even took a floater yesterday, which will be nice because um, defenses have no reason to really defend him unless he's around the rim. So that I think is what I'm watching for is just do they change his utilization that much? Because in the first game that they played in the preseason – He's handling the ball and pick and roll. He's like running screen and roll with Nick Claxton. Like, I just don't have any interest in seeing that. That to me is a no imagine the points per possession on that will end up being pretty low if they run that all season. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's it's literally like they run it, he stops at the elbow and they reset, and now they're at the top of the key with Kyrie or KD with the ball with less time on the shot clock. Like it's it's pointless, pointless offense. Is there like have you noticed or would you be able to guess what would be the biggest difference on how he's used offensively in Brooklyn versus what we know about all the stuff he did in Philly? I don't think they've changed that much of what he's doing on offense. I think we're probably going to start seeing that a little bit more over the next month. Um, You know, I I actually asked Nash about that two two days ago at practice. And uh, one of the things he mentioned was just like, a, the short rolling stuff, the whatever he's doing in, in terms of being in open space when they have the advantage, the four on three advantage offensively. The other thing that I thought was really interesting and I, I would like to see quite a bit is just him attacking from the second side. So if you can kind of use him as a taller Bruce Brown and have him right. you know, make those 45 cuts uh, or, or uh, yeah, it's kind of slashing cuts from the wings or even cutting along the baseline. I think that's pretty interesting way to use him as well um, and take advantage of how dynamic he is that way. How much do you think they're invested in playing him and Nick Claxton together for long stretches? Probably depends on the matchup, right? You know, like it against the bucks, it made sense. Cause you, I mean, you look at them play the bucks and it's like, this is a lot different than last year. You know, this team isn't suddenly dwarfed in size. They, they have, three guys that are over six foot 10 uh, making up their front court and Durant uh, Claxton and, and Simmons. So I think that that will depend on the matchup. You're not gonna be able to do that against every team. And that'll be a big test for Steve Nash is like, how quick is his hook for realizing, Hey, this is probably not the right way to do this. Um, that, that I think will be a big test, but in certain games, it's going to look really good. Do you, envision that Simmons is going to play and Nash has talked about this. And I think Simmons has even mentioned, do you anticipate Simmons playing like meaningful minutes as sort of the, the backup five or at the five and you go through the roster and like there's Dick Claxton, Dayron Sharp, and then you're running out of centers anyway. Um, yeah. So Ben Simmons just might end up there organically, but if he's playing with Markeith Morris, is he technically um, like the center in that situation? But do you think that they're invested in that model? Uh, yeah, it seems like it um, kind of depends on when you're doing it. Is that like, you know, a crunch time lineup, I'd probably lean that way. Um, it also depends on like what the fit looks like against certain teams um, of, of Nick and, and Ben, you know, as I just said, like that, I think will really decide how much you're seeing Ben at center 
Um, because, you know, I mean, defensively, those two guys are switchable. It just makes them, you know, that's a lot of length that you're throwing at teams and that helps your rebound and have those two guys together. Uh, but offensively it can look like it can really look clunky. Um, even if you are using Ben in ways where he's, you know, short rolling or, or if they, you know, use him as a screener and like split cuts, um, or, or use Nick as the screener in, in split cuts, it still can just look clunky if those sets don't work. And then it's like, all right, we're trying to run, you know, whatever pick and roll or ISO. And we have these two guys that are kind of just hanging out of the dunker spot. So, um, yeah, it it really will depend on like the matchup, I think, and, and how much they're going to lean on Bennett center. I don't know that I can picture him like defensively as a center, like without someone else who's on the court to do the center responsibilities. We just, we didn't see a lot of it in Philly. And then the minutes we saw was just like, it wasn't, it wasn't great. And he even looked out of his element there. And so I'm just very curious to see if they do wind up leaning on that model, even if it's just for certain matchups, trying to scale ahead to a potential playoff series. I just, I guess because we haven't seen it a ton, I just can't envision what that looks like defensively for him even. Yeah. I mean, he's just not a shot blocker. Like he's got a, I think a seven foot wingspan as a six eleven guy. So like not super long arms, not in that way where like Durant has a seven foot five wingspan. Like maybe that's, who you're, you're not going to lean on Durant at center, but maybe you're like, hey, we're going to play Ben at center and we're just going to have to hope that Durant is extremely dialed in as like a weak side guy. Um, you know, so I, I think, yeah, I, I don't love it, but I guess I like it a little bit more next to Durant. Steve Nash has talked about, and you've written about how the Nets are adding wrinkles to their offense, a lot of which includes, and you've talked about some of them already, just more off-ball movement in general, which isn't, what I think, you know, Durant playing for the Warriors, sure, but hasn't been a harbinger necessarily of teams he and Kyrie have played for and certainly not in Brooklyn before. What have you thought about some of the stuff they tried to imp- implement in preseason? I think the more important question is, do you buy into it translating to the way that they're going to play in the regular season? Yeah, um, you know, they've implemented, you know, I guess certain actions and sets that like NBA Twitter nerds love like, Oh, they're running some veer action where their centers are setting a ball screen and then setting a screen elsewhere. They're running Spain pick and roll. Um, just you have they to, have, if you want NBA Twitter on your side, you have to run Spain pick. And you roll. have to. Yeah. You, if, if <laughs> exactly. Uh, so like they're doing a bunch of stuff like that, which is cool. They're adding more wrinkles to the offense than just, you know, straight high pick and roll and Chicago action. They ran a lot of that last year. Um, and, and, that's great. But what I like for me personally is how much they're diversifying those actions. They're combining them in different ways. Um, they ran uh, Chicago a couple times yesterday and it wasn't just like, Hey, you know, we're going to have Durant take the ball down, uh, get the ball to Nick Claxton. And then somebody's going to set a screen for Joe Harris or, or, you know, Kyrie or whatever. Um, no, they would run like a different screening action beforehand. They'd have a guy cut through the paint to drag away the weak side defender, like they're doing a bunch of different things before and after these sets that they just weren't doing last year. It's not as simplified, I think, in a way. And that for me, like, is so interesting because you have so many dynamic offensive players. If you're using them together versus just having guys fill space and just, you know, I guess essentially be floor spacers on the weak side and fill the corners and wings, it just makes you a lot tougher to deal with. And there's just a lot more for the defense to have to keep track of. So that's the stuff I'm really excited about. Yeah. Like the Veer action, Spain pick and roll, that stuff is fun, but the stuff you really want to watch is what they're doing before. And after we get to those recognizable actions. Who, who do you think if they're going to play this way a lot, it ends up being the biggest adjustment for an offense when you're looking at their three stars and Kyrie KD and 
and Simmons. It does feel like it might be a little bit. I don't even know. I was gonna say a little bit more natural for Simmons, but I feel like that might even be the incorrect answer. Yeah, um, that's a good question. I, I I feel like in a way it, it's probably Kyrie and KD in a sense, just because those guys are so good at creating their own offense that if they go through a stretch where they're a little bit in the mud and some of the movement they're working or they like to run isn't working. I wonder if that just turns into, all right, well, just get me the ball. I'm going to get us out of this stretch. And that becomes like something that, you know, it doesn't, I mean, it's never going to work against the team because those guys are so good at creating their own offense, but they do get away from, you know, I think what makes them interesting this year. So yeah, I think that's something I would watch. And that also just like depends on the opponent. You know, if you're playing a team that switches a bunch, like the team I'm really interested to see them play is Boston. You know, Boston's got so many like-sized guys. If you're just switching a lot of these actions, and just keeping the ball in front versus all this movement, um, that to me is like, all right, we're really going to get a taste of like how effective all this stuff is that this coaching staff is putting in place. And then we'll really learn like, all right, are the Nets going to stick to their guns and say, hey, we're going to run movement and hopefully we can tire out the opponent of just keeping that much focus on our guys, or are we going to just kind of devolve into ISO ball essentially? It's almost like the symptom of when you break it down by a game where it's a team goes through their offense for the first three and a half quarters, but then everything like bogs down or they deviate from it uh, in crunch time or just towards the end of the fourth quarter. And it, it could be very much be like that in the off season, preseason, you're talking about doing all this stuff. You're implementing some of this stuff, games that matter start and you're not doing it as much anymore. Yeah, that's a good point. And as I said, like the, we'll, I think we'll learn pretty quickly who the nets are in terms of if they go through a losing stretch. And that would be the thing I'd watch for It's like, all right, does anything change with how they're playing? Does Simmons become less involved or look more passive? Or they just literally say, Hey, we're just going to go get the ball to our two best players because we're not playing right now. And, and we need to start playing better like that. That's the stuff I think you're worried about along with like whatever drama could come from this team, which is, Quite a bit of drama. <laughs> there's, there's a, the ceiling is the roof, as Michael yes. Jordan would say. Uh, one of the things that I've thought about with this team is how should Steve Nash stagger the star minutes? Mm-hmm. Um, and my first inclination was I want Ben Simmons to be like the best version of Ben Simmons. And so I was like, oh, Ben Simmons with a bench. And then I'm like, hearkening back to the days where the Sixers did that and it was terrible. But then also you're not trying to play him with Dwight Howard and Matisse Thibault at the same time in Brooklyn, um, which which star is it most important to have like those staggered units with? I ended up landing on KD, but I'm just yeah. curious what your thoughts are with it. I'm with you. Uh, I they've the Ben Simmons solo star minutes have not been great. I think so far again, preseason, whatever, but like, I just think you can glean certain things from like, you know, just watching how the offense flows, who has the ball in their hands. And then it depends a lot more on what Simmons can do in the half court, which I think we know is like not, not his strength, especially with the ball in hand versus, you know, Durant. I mean, look, if like, and that's the other thing, like if, if you're kind of wondering like, Hey, we need to find moments where Durant can get his and create his own offense or Kyrie can create his own offense. Like those solo units are the time to do that. Um, So I think you're probably going to take one guy or the other. I've always liked Durant more with, um, you know, a set of role players than Kyrie. I think Kyrie is, Mm -hmm. his stature works against him a little bit in that setting. Um, and then just in general, like I think Durant's better at finding guys shots than, than Kyrie and, and attracts more defensive attention. Yeah. So that's, that for me is what I would go with as well. 
um, I still, I'm just wondering if because they have the ability at some point to surround, it could be Ben Simmons and then as uh, Matt Moore of Action Network would say, a fuck ton of shooting. Um, I just wonder if those units without Kyrie and KD could eventually work. But I, again, I came to the same conclusion that you did just because I think I have PTSD from some of those minutes they played in Philly with him and Dwight Howard. Yeah, and it's just like, you know, I mean, you could put all the shooting you you want around Ben and like you could run like pick and pop action or whatever. You could you could use Ben as a screener, but it's like I, I just need somebody that I know can get into the paint and spray out. And if it's just Ben with no other stars and guys that are going to attract a ton of offensive attention or defensive attention, then I just don't know if that's super feasible. It might look it might sound a lot better than it looks. This might not be an issue because of everything we discussed at the top of this podcast with the durability of this roster. Uh, does Cam Thomas get squeezed out of this rotation when they're at full strength? I think so. Uh, and I, I like, I like Cam. I honestly, there's a couple rookies they have on this roster that I feel like are second, third team guys. Um, Cam feels like somebody he just sort of need. I mean, he just needs like more usage and, I like Cam. Like, I think he can be a good player, a good scorer. I don't know what the ceiling is for him, but I, I think it can be pretty high. I don't think it's going to happen here. I was always kind of puzzled when they made that pick when they did. Cause I was just like, I don't know how like a guy that's leading, you know, whatever leading college and scoring is going to be able to thrive on this team with like scores essentially. Uh, Kessler Edwards is another guy where it's like, I really like that guy. I think the big thing for him is just like, you know, believing in himself not to be too cliche and with a team where there's so much pressure to succeed and so many guys kind of now fighting for that wing position um you know i i I feel like he's another guy that's like really gonna like him when he's you know i don't know on the on the raptors or something like that in a couple (laughs) years one of the nine thousand six eight guys they've got and he, I was with Kessler Edwards though. I was just wondering if TJ Warren's out. Kevin Durant's not really a wing. Royce O'Neal's small. I guess Joe Harris is like kind of a wing, but excuse more swing man. If they just want to have like some true wing minutes, like you could just throw out Edwards at six seven or six eight, whatever he's standing at. Yeah, I feel like I just like confidence is the big thing from for him, and that's why I say like second, third team. Like it's not it's not even that he's you know whatever he needs to develop a skill or something like that. It's just like one of those guys that like I just think he's going to be better in a different setting where there isn't. You have this cloud of doom kind of hanging over everything, even though things are really good uh, or I don't know about really good, but like as good as they have been in a while in Brooklyn um, that I think is probably where I see him thriving a little bit more. And he, like right now he's being played out or outplayed by um, Yuta Watanabe. So it's like, Who I that's love, what I kind of, I love, is, I do too. Dude, yeah. Uh, that, so he's gonna, is he, do you think Yuta Watanabe makes the roster then? I hope so. Man, he's looked pretty good. Um, yeah, I mean, that would be – I think you want to add another guy like that that just is um, – it fills that wing position for you, especially when you don't know what you're getting from TJ Warren and, you know, even Joe Harris is kind of like, let's hope his ankle's good. Like, I would I would hope they bring him aboard and, and keep him kind of involved in this team. He just reminds me so much of Kenrich Williams in many ways, probably a mm-hmm. scaled-down version at this point because he can fill so many different – gaps and he's not going to be like a master of anything but this team has masters of all these different things they don't have enough guys like we're talking about cam thomas just feels so redundant on this team after some of the flashes he showed last year i'm not a big fan of oh well you need to get rid of this youngster but if like you're sticking with this core and this is the direction you're headed it might be time to like sell high in a different type of trade that gets you someone who fills more of the gaps that you need which is complimentary offense but more so just like complimentary defense for this team that's why i really like 
Watanabe for them is when he's healthy. I just think there's just a lot of underrated mobility and positional malleability to him. Yeah, for sure. You know, I, and I think you want as many guys like that as possible with like the top end talent that you have, where it's like, we have, we're not worried about offense. We're, we're going to be top eight in the league for as long as we have Kyrie and KD. Like after that, it's just like, let's get gap fillers. Let's get a guy like Yuta who can, you know, slide up and down positionally defensively and, uh, and, 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 you know, rebound the ball. Like we just kind of want guys that are going to do that little extra stuff, you know, versus a, a, a guy like Cam Thomas, who it's like, you know, he's on a rookie scale deal. Um, probably a lot of teams that still look at this guy and say, yeah, this is like an interesting player. If we get him in our system or whatever, um, the longer you wait on that. Cause I, I like there's, I don't see a path for Cam Thomas to get, you know, more minutes unless Kyrie or KD is yeah. moved. Um, so it's like, yeah, we're injured. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but even so it's like, I don't see a path for that. Um, and in a sense, you're just depreciating the asset over time. What is the defensive ceiling of this team? I look at the roster and I'm not impressed, but right. there are some things that they could, they actually were like, around bottom 10 outside garbage time points out per possession last year. And some of the things were correctable where it's like, if this team is healthy, it probably commits fewer turnovers. If they actually care about getting back in transition. So they're not allowing like one cabillion points per possession um, off of their turnovers. Um, but what is like, how do you see them defending? What is the defensive ceiling? Are you concerned with the the rebounding where they were one of the, if not the worst defensive rebounding team in the league last year, I guess with, Simmons and Claxton minutes, you might be fine, but when you're playing one of them at a time, what are just the big, you know, the flashbulb concerns or maybe highlights of how this team can, will, or, or won't defend? Yeah, um, hmm. that's a good question. I, I'm probably a little higher on the team defensively than you. Um, you know, I think they can def defend size a little bit better just because of bringing in uh, Ben Simmons, bringing in um somebody like Royce O'Neal and having him essentially take over for what you had Bruce Brown doing you know Royce brings a little bit more size he can guard up the positional scale a little bit he's you know he's had defensive possessions against all types of guys Giannis he's had a couple against Joel Embiid over the years like, granted, granted these are like on switches they're not intentionally putting him on these guys but like he's a guy that can hold his own against guys that kind of tower over him so I, I like that I think that in that way they'll be more set up to play against a team that grows increasingly larger. I will say in terms of scheme versatility, switching I think will be in, especially with Nick and, and Simmons comprising the front court. Um, that's going to be really pretty much their bread and butter. Drop defense, we'll see. I haven't loved Nick Claxton as a drop defender ever. And I don't think they have the screen navigators that they did last year. You know, DeAndre okay. Bembry and Bruce Brown were great, especially out the gates. Um in terms of defending that way this year, it's like, you know, like Royce O'Neal can be good. Ben Simmons, a really good screen navigator, but there's certain teams like Philly, for example, with Tyrese Maxey, where there's just going to be guys that are so quick that they're going to get by pretty much everybody. And that's the stuff that I'm watching is like, all right, what does that look like? Are there certain teams that are just bad matchups for the Nets? But I think holistically over the year, I think they can be like top 10, maybe back back end of the top 10 defensively I, i'm pretty high wow. on this team yeah I, I like it i might be discounting maybe how many minutes i think they can get away with nick clax and ben simmons because if both of them are on the floor um it allows ben simmons to one defend the way that he's used to defending and then that makes i thought people were too hard on royce o'neill last year where i was just like look at like the burden this guy's fucking carrying he shouldn't have to that makes royce o'neill's job easier if he's gonna play with that group top 10 is 
is like if this team is 18, if like let's say 17 to defense efficiency, what they should be on offense for a majority of their minutes, I would say like that ends up being like this supernova contender because I look at them and I feel maybe I just don't have a high enough ceiling on them. You're probably closer there than I, but I do feel like their floor on defense for a team with Ben Simmons might be just a little bit shockingly lower than people are. I think they're just assuming that Ben Simmons comes in like the defense is, Oh, you know, because of the way he plays, it's not going to be the Rudy Gobert punches your ticket to a, a top 10, top 12 regular season defense. That's fair. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that's fair. And I, I do think like they don't have like a just, like I don't know, like a Rudy Gobert to lean on in the back line. Like Clax is good. Like don't get me wrong, Clax is love Nick Claxton, who statistically is like, well, just based off his coverage per B ball index, like one of the most him and Ben Simmons have been the two most switchable players of like the past ten years. And yes. so like that's having both of them is just huge for sure. And but I think the big thing is like just you know there are certain I mean drop defense in general like tends to do pretty well in the regular season. Like it's a, it is a different game in a way. So I I can see your argument for sure. Uh, on them maybe maybe they're more like 10 to 12 range still though I think that's a huge win for them if they're in that range and then if they can scale it up defensively a little bit in the playoffs um, just by simply slowing things down and the game slowing down um, and and that switching scheme coming into handy a little bit more I I could see that kind of being a hey we're this like more mid-tier defense and we are kind of elevating things in the postseason if they are 10 to 12 and like 10 to 12 in defense the Eastern conference trade deadlines arm race is going to be absurd. And you're going to see a lot of people shifting their like title picks by November because everyone just assumes this team will implode. And so if they have that defensive ceiling, my God. Yeah. I mean, like that's the whole thing with the nets, right? Is like, if they don't implode, if nothing, if there's no injuries, which there always is with the nets, um, if there is no internal drama, like this team is going to be really, really good. And like, we should look at them as a title contender, like, and really give them a long look. Cause I, I don't, I mean, you just watch the way they play. The, the it, everything's in place. The the style of offense that they're running, um, in terms of all the motion they're running, they're it's a pretty good way to hide their deficiencies in terms of potential floor spacing in specific lineups and this tendency to lean too much on their stars and burden their stars too much. And then defensively, you have guys that add a lot of dynamic uh, positional versatility. Uh, in Ben Simmons, Royce O'Neal, you know, let's bring up Yuta Watanabe. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, like seriously, like they, it's all there. All the pieces are there and they they just offer a lot more than last year's team where it's like, you kind of know what you're getting from them and you know what you're not getting. Are there any strengths about this roster that you don't think receive a, are receiving enough attention as we get into the regular season? Yeah. I mean, I just think the ability to defend a little bit larger is the big one um and i just yesterday i i mean i remember watching their opener last year in the regular season against the bucks and they tried to do this last year where they were like we're gonna play bigger bigger meant playing lamarcus aldridge and blake griffin together and it's like that's not i don't care that they're technically larger in size they're more clunky somehow and they're like the bucks are blowing by them offensively um and they're not rebounding either so this year it's a little bit different where it's like now we have speed size and you know vertical pop like we have all of that in place um with nick claxton ben simmons kevin durant you know i can go on and on and on royce o'neill so that is a lot different for me this year they have the right type of size the size you actually want in the modern nba not just hey we have big guy a big guy b and we're gonna say let's go for it you know 
Oh man, I don't know how I just forgot about those front cores. I don't even think that would have worked in 2015 with those two, to be honest with you. When they played, they were playing uh, Millsap and Lamarcus uh, for a while there, and that was that was peak. That was peak early season Nets last year. By the way, they were like number one in the conference while they were doing this dude because Durant was just that good to start the year. <laughs> I will say the Paul Millsap decline over the past few years to the point where he's not even in the NBA anymore. That hurt my soul a little bit. He was just like one of my just favorites to watch, did everything, had like that sort of all-star stretch. And I thought he was going to age. I Maybe it was a gradual drop-off and I just didn't notice in Denver, but it just felt like towards the tail end of his time in Denver, it was just like, oh, all of a sudden Paul Millsap is yeah. his liability. Yeah, uh, I wanted Millsap on the Nets for like every year that I covered the Nets. And uh, that was one of my biggest misses ever as doing, you know, whatever, creating content. Last year, I was like, I think I think Millsap can be okay for this team. Like he's going to play less minutes. Uh, he was like starting a bunch of games at the beginning of the year for, for Denver. You know, maybe he'll look better in a reduced role. Um, I could see this scheme helping a little bit, you know, things are simplified on offense. And it was like, no, he just was like, he was done. <laughs> like the first 10 games um, are there. So we've talked a lot about some of the concerns of this roster. What's the biggest one in, in your eyes leading into the season? Oh, uh, health. <laughs> it's such a, it's such a cop out, but he really is like, I don't know what else I'm supposed to pick other than be like, well, this team needs to stay healthy. I guess spacing, um, you know, like I said, like a team like Boston, where, you know, th that team is so honed in defensively, um, they're going to switch everything. They're going to ignore certain guys. All of a sudden, those minutes where I'm like, I think you can survive with Nick and, and Ben playing together. Those might really hurt. And then you have to figure out, okay, you know, how much can we survive with Ben Simmons as our center? Is yeah. Robert Williams going to absolutely eat and get you know, just a, a – an assortment of lobs on the other end like that that i think is the stuff where i'm watching that and saying that might be where you see the weaknesses a little bit and that's what i look at as like an on-court weakness it feels like they might need a different big man setup and i, I love nick Cla nick claxton is one of my favorites anyone who listens to this podcast knows but just I, I guess every team in essence is looking for this but like the floor spacing rim protecting five is what this team kind of needs because yeah. that would make everything so much easier with Ben Simmons, the way they want to defend against certain teams. You also want that big to then be able to hold up against if teams like Boston and Cleveland are going to run their dual big lineups, or if they're going to take one off the floor, you still would prefer it if you didn't have to take this center off the floor. And that player is very hard to find, but it feels like that player could make a world of difference um, on this roster. And that was not, I really didn't mean to just like a roundabout way of describing miles Turner, but like that yeah. type of like a, a player would be, like, absolutely. Even they wouldn't have gotten him for what the Knicks game, like an Isaiah Hartenstein would have probably just been like really huge for this team too. You know, funny thing about Hartenstein is that it was, they were between him and Millsap last year and boy, boy, be, you could yeah. <laughs> I don't know that I guess when the season went off the rails a little bit, but like, I don't know that they would have used him the way that the Clippers used him. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah. so that you, maybe that's some consolation, but when you hear stuff like that, it's, you know, it's not quite like, oh, Dallas was going to draft Giannis, but like you were choosing between Millsap and Hartenstein and look what Hartenstein became like just was this sort of under the radar six man of the year candidate with the way that he played last year. Yeah. So, I mean, and again, like that team with that, I mean, that season was destined to implode, I think, no matter what happened. Um, but yeah, that's that's a guy that would fit really well. I know Nets fans are like really on a Mo Bamba train right now, like okay <laughs> like i guess so maybe hypothetical. i don't know i don't know if you're a Obama guy i'm kind of like 
Um, I thought he had a really good year last season, and they were able to like he played a lot of minutes with Wendell Carter Jr. Yeah. Uh, I'd probably be on a basketball level if he was healthy. Um, author slash basketball player Jonathan Isaac would make like a lot more sense for what this team I think actually needs. Yeah. Basically, with him and Ben Simmons would be just absolutely atrocious. Though he's yeah, he's like TJ Warren hologram status to me. Like I'm not, <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm still, I'm dying at that. Do we know that TJ Warren's not a hologram? <laughs> this is, it's more of a generalized question, and I don't necessarily like thinking about trades before we've seen this team actually play. But do you think just because this roster, if they stay together, they're very much win now, and it's Kyrie Irving's last year. Will they be aggressive in making meaningful roster upgrades or will there be a little bit of reticence there because, oh, hey, we almost just fucking imploded over the offseason. We don't know if Kyrie's going to be here past yeah. this season. And so I'm just wondering how that impacts their view of going for it this season. Is it we're willing to make material upgrades or we're just going to stand pat and see where we lie? I hope they do this like because <laughs> they, they did this big thing where they took a stand and they're saying no like we're I mean let's be honest like they spent the whole summer and we're like we're not going to trade Durant like we we're just going to hold out so if you're going to do all that and not trade th these guys or do a sign and trade for Kyrie like yeah you should go all in and do every exhaust every single opportunity that you have so yeah I mean like Miles Turner makes a ton of sense for this team um, and and really would fill holes for them on both ends that the remaining holes let's be honest um so I, I would hope they do something like that if they have the opportunity i think i i would believe sean marks probably has the the agency and the gall to do it but i just question like if that if that comes up and so if they're a title can if, if they're hovering around that inner circle of the east you absolutely have to they're not you know the James Harden trade like cycle that didn't work out too well for them. But if Ben Simmons is healthy, like you're not asset barren with like your draft equity anymore. And you have some contracts that could be used as matching tools. If it, you know, if it turns out that one of Joe Harris or Seth Curry is super fluid, yeah. I don't know if they will be. So I do hope that if they are in that inner circle, there's not like a, a hesitance there because I like seeing just teams go for it. Right. And, or hurt. Like if, if Joe Harris is just like, we don't, we, we just can't, get this guy on the floor like all of a sudden hey maybe we'd have our home for cam thomas he'd, he'd be an indiana facer i'm right. in for that <laughs> i just i need joe harris to stay with this team because i loved the vibes from like that nets team that was just fucking going nowhere under kenny atkinson he's still remnant from that era yeah. and i don't like nick claxton didn't really spill over to that so like it's it's only joe harris now so i need i need yep. joe harris in brooklyn yeah, yeah, me too. And also, like, he's like really, he's like a really perfect fit for what they're doing this year. So, yeah, I, I agree completely. One of my other favorite things to do leading into the regular season is try and figure out what the top 10 rotation looks like for every single team. Mm. Um, the Nets gave me more of a headache than most, te most teams, even when I presume health. Uh, it seems like they probably have seven locks with Kyrie, Joe Harris, Kevin Durant, Ben Simmons, Nick Claxton, Seth Curry. Royce O'Neal, and then I had Patty Mills penciled in as a quasi lock. He's still, but he didn't have like the best close to the year last season. So, are my seven locks at least correct? And how would you flesh out those, you know, final roster spots? Yeah, I think your seven are correct. The one I would say is I think Royce O'Neal could jump Joe Harris in the rotation. We'll see, but I'm watching that one pretty closely. Um, I think. <laughs> Yuta Watanabe, I'm going to bring him up for the third time. I keep bringing him up. <laughs> I wasn't. I think I he could make it. I think he could. I could see him above Markeith. Um, I could. I mean, I don't. The Nets love Patty Mills. Like, I, there is just such a a bond there that I don't know. I just can't see Patty ever falling out of the rotation. But like, Yuta's a riser for me. Him and, and a healthy TJ are the ones where I'm like, how high can we go with these two guys? Uh, 
I don't know if Yuta is going to be like your sixth man, but yeah, like could he get you know semi regular? I'm looking up his sixth man of the year odds right now. You <laughs> said that aggregators <laughs> Matt Brooks from Nets Daily predicts <laughs> Yuta Watanabe wins sixth man of the year award. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think I think you're pretty spot on with it. Um, but yeah, the big one I would say is like, could Royce jump Joe Harris? How high can can uh, Yuta jump in the rotation and like? Does this team ever hit that point with Patty Mills where they're like, all right, we're really your your minutes are going to be kind of like game to game? That would be the three things I'd watch for. I guess he would be though, like the vibes guy in the locker room. Who else would it be? That's like the it's not Ben Simmons and it's not Katie and it's not Kyrie. Yeah. It's like who's that locker room player voice and just like good vibes person? I, I it would have to be Patty at this point. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think that's probably who you're looking at in that way. Uh. So this is to some extent matchup dependent, I think, especially for this team. But what do you think winds up being their go-to crunch time unit, which very much feels like the three locks are in place, Ben Simmons, Kyrie, and Katie. You're not having those guys on the bench in crunch time, like either any one of those guys on the bench in crunch time, I would imagine anyway. Yeah. um, Maybe Joe and Royce filling it out personally. I mean, I can, I lock for me just as like, Who is the other guy who is the wing defender on this roster? And it's, it's without TJ Warren healthy, it's it's him basically. Or Watanabe, might as well just throw him in there. Fourth match. I guess, I mean, it depends on the team. Maybe you can get away with Nick um, against certain teams. Bucks were a good example. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's, I think you want to put as much shooting around. Like that's where I can see those Ben Simmons at the five lineups happening. Is there a weirdo, bonkers, quirky, off the beaten path lineup you want Steve Nash to try this year? Kyrie. Bit, let's see. I want to see a weird lineup where they just put as much shooting around Ben, but one of them's a star. So, like we were talking about, like all right, the the Matt Moore, uh, fuck it, we're shooting the ball uh, lineup around Ben. So you go like Seth Curry, Joe Harris, uh, maybe maybe Royce O'Neal or Patty Mills, Kyrie. So you have like some dynamic creation and then Ben and just like the super small like, shooty off ball, you know, you know, sprinting around each other and line up like that would be the weirdest one. And then I guess you could, you could also just replace KD for any of those guys, but that's like less fun. I want to see like a really, a bunch of small guys and Ben Simmons play together. They get killed defensively, but it doesn't matter. Right. Um- <laughs> I think that was my pick too, even though I don't think that Ben Simmons should be running his own lineups because I don't want to star in it, but I still need, it's almost almost like morbid curiosity where it's like, what if it's Ben Simmons, Joe Harris, Seth Curry, Royce O'Neal, and Yuta Watanabe? Like, let's go, let's go there. And what does that unit look like? Maybe Watanabe's not enough of a shooter. So am I skewing Cam Thomas there? Uh, a healthy TJ Warren, but like, give me, I guess you'd go Patty Mills. That would be a real flex. Patty Mills, Joe Harris, and Seth Curry on the court at the, the same time with Ben Simmons and um, uh, Royce O'Neal. That would be Ben, literally Ben Simmons and just four guards is or five guards if you consider Ben Simmons still a guard. So I just want to see what ends up happening. I don't think it would actually be particularly great, but maybe maybe I'd be wrong. Or maybe it would be like my the other one I'm thinking of is the I'm going to call it the fuck off you're not scoring lineup where it's the Nick Claxton, uh, Ben Simmons, Royce O'Neal. Kevin Durant, you don't want an lineup where it's just like, oh, we're going to be Raptors. <laughs> you know what? That still ends up probably being like a, a okay offensive unit because Kevin Durant exists and he's just like a, a superhuman. Um, oh man. I want to see that one now too. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Uh, so as we record this, their current win total is set at 51.5. Would you hit the over or the under on that? 
I mean, I'm Mr. Optimist on this podcast, so I feel like I have to. Um, I've basically said they have no flaws and <laughs> we should take them seriously. So, yeah, I think – I don't know, man. I, I like the approach so far. I mean, it's, it's early. Like, we're coming out of media day and preseason, so, like, this is going to be about as high as you, you can be as a team, ideally, unless you're – I don't know, the Phoenix Suns or somebody like that. Uh, there's actually a lot of bad vibes teams right now. But the Nets are actually weirdly not one of them right now, which I'm not used to, so I'm just riding the high. I, I do think I do think they're going to win over that. I just I didn't care what the number was. I think it might have been at 53 and a half at one point. It could drop to 49. I'm just taking the under. I don't trust this team. I, <laughs> I recognize what their ceiling is, and it's the best team in the NBA. But trying to think of the realistic outcomes, I'm just expecting disaster. And it's not... I don't have an agenda. I'm not biased against the Nets. I just, I don't know how you're supposed, I would never, let me make it clear. I would never bet anything on this team. Oh, I'm not investing in, I'm just staying away from everything because yeah. they're, I think, and this would be the question, their range of outcomes is clearly the widest in the entire league, right? There's no other team that has a wider array, uh, array of conclusions. Yeah. I mean, I've laid it out. Like it's, it's guys get hurt, Nash gone, which maybe isn't the worst thing. Uh, you know, maybe you get one of these assistants oh, that's like really good. Uh, I was, but I didn't even ask about that. Is there like a chance that Nash gets on the hot seat before like the roster itself would be like Nash? Nash would go before they start selling off. Like they're considering trading Kevin Durant or even moving Kyrie Irving at this point. Probably. Yeah, right? yeah. That's that seems like the first thing you're gonna hit before you do any of the bigger kind of major moves like that. Um and. I guess let's just assume they stay together. How many yeah. teams are you prepared to say are better than them in the East? Like where would you, re they stay together. Where do you see them landing in the Eastern conference? Top three, I think. Um, and it's probably, I'm still, I kind of like, I, I like Boston still. Everybody wants to, you know, there it's the, too much Look, happened if, in if, Boston. If Robert Williams, the third's knees weren't made of jello. I would probably like Boston a lot more, but like Al Horford's 36. You don't have Gallinari. And now all of a sudden we're like, well, look at what Noah Vonley and like Sam. Oh, Howard are doing. No, I'm loving the Noah Vonley. <laughs> oh, as uh, Noah Vonley as like that. See, mm. I think that was, was that 2019 or 18 with the Knicks? Yeah. I was in love with Noah Vonley. And then he just fell off the face of the earth again. Yep. Yeah. No, I blame um, Minnesota for that in case anybody I, cares. I blame the Nets. The Nets gave him a 10 day and they never gave him a shot. I'm like, we should give, we should give Nova on there. Look here. Like this is, that was like right after they made the Harden trade and they were just bringing in like names. Cause they just didn't have any players. <laughs> left. It's like, Oh, Noah Vonley's a net. Uh, He's Andre Robertson. At this point. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. So, God. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. So, I mean, uh, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I, I think Boston is in the mix. I like Milwaukee. I'm just like, they're like the safe, like obvious pick for everybody. If, cause it's like the East is so up in the air. Um, I don't know. They're like a year older, just a little, gotta keep an eye. I just, not, I would put Milwaukee above the nets just because Giannis is a superhuman. And I think that they're, yeah. even if they're not caring about the regular season, they're a regular season machine. And look, Giannis didn't win the championship last year. So that means that he is clearly motivated by his failure. And so I just expect that team to be gangbusters. And, but that being said, everything else in the East, everyone else in the East feels either a lot of things have to pan out in their favor. Like Donovan Mitchell just hits in Cleveland right away. And the, yep. the, the depth on the wings isn't an issue um, or it's combustible where it's Miami's older. And like their what does their bench look like with Caleb Martin starting now and no PJ Tucker to start for them. Um, and then Boston, we've outlined some of that oddly. 
and the, we, we've talked about the Nets. Oddly, the second most stable team to me, like towards the top of the East right now, is the Philadelphia 76ers, which oh, yeah. clearly means I'm doing something wrong, though, because Doc Rivers is going to play Montrezl Harrell way too many <laughs> minutes, and it's going to be a nightmare. But I think I would only have, like, I'm penciling those two teams and maybe Boston as the teams that I would say, yeah, they're going to be better than the Nets. And I'm only confident in the Milwaukee part of that. I, yeah, I don't know how I left Philly out. Um, Philly is like a lock for a top two. Uh, lock feels strong, but they, they really feel like a, a lock for a top three seed to me. I think you're probably picking between one of Milwaukee and Boston to not perform as well. Boston for a reason of like, the center rotation is really bad. It's like really bad. Or Milwaukee is like, maybe they coast a little bit. Maybe it does. Lopez maybe I'm old. Yeah. yeah. Like you look at, you know, Lopez, you're at you're older. I mean, maybe Drew looks like a tiny bit older. I, I, I feel like Drew's going to age pretty well, but maybe, maybe it's something like that. You know, all of a sudden your West Matthews minutes you got last year that were really good. Those aren't, aren't there necessarily George Hills like playing. <laughs> so it's like, Well, I mean, you hit it on the head. It's like, Oh, this team is at the top. They're top three guys. Even if you say top four with Pat Connaughton or Brooke Lopez, even if they're top six, you throw those guys plus Bobby Portis. Who I just, I inherently don't trust him, but he's been good for the bucks. Yeah. They, I trust him like, now. They need, they, they will end up needing like age 83 West Matthews or Joe Ingles at age 83 coming off an ACL injury and not playing a 2023 or does Serge Ibaka have to play minutes for right. this team? Or is it George Hill? Just Javon Carter. So like, once you get like past their top five or six guys, there are a lot of their depth is confusing is the way that I would phrase it. Yeah. I just like, they haven't improved their team since winning the title. Like I, I don't, it, it bothers me a little bit. I'm like, I get it. Like, I understand this is your core, but like in a way it's like, I'm just waiting for the year where it's like, well, the bucks kind of dropped a half level. And I just feel like it's going to happen. If you keep rolling the same group of guys that were kind of, in the middle of their NBA lifespans when they won the title. And if you keep doing that year after year, like at some point this team is going to get a little bit older in terms of its depth. Giannis is going to be Giannis. And like that right there is enough for a top four seed pretty much any year, but you know, and, and Chris being healthy helps too. But you know, I just sort of look at this and I'm like, all right, there's going to be some slippage at some point. So is this the year? I don't know. Well, at least, he's at least we've established that the Nets um, shouldn't be tanking this season. That's at least that's the one outcome we know. <laughs> that won't be happening. Um, Are we sure? Have you watched Victor Wobbenai? Right? Do, like they do they own? No, they own their own pick this year, don't they? Or no? Is it yeah. swap? I it's a remember. swap with Houston, so maybe oh, Houston yeah, no, gets the number one pick, and they can like hope that that Houston is just like super Hooper pilled, and they're like, we want. We want Scoot. Like we, they just need to Jedi mind tricks if, them into it. If they tank, it's with aspirations of no higher than the number two pick. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is there anything we haven't touched upon that you think still needs to be discussed? No, I think we nailed it. I think we we touched on everything that that happens with this uh, disastrously interesting basketball team. <laughs> yeah, they're going to be entertaining for one reason or another. I am more optimistic that the entertainment will come from basketball. Now, after reading you, talking to you, and then just look. You, we can joke. It's only preseason and training camp. Like, this is not the team you would have predicted to make it through training camp and preseason without shit happening. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Baby steps. <laughs> uh, Matt, in case anyone skipped the intro, are you able to tell everyone where they can find you and all the great work that you do? Uh, yeah. Just follow me on Twitter at Matt Brooks MBA. Everything's there. Podcasts, writing, video stuff. We'll, we'll probably get more into that stuff as the season starts, but that's where everything is. 
Uh, I admire everyone who can do like the video breakdowns and identify the actual sets that are happening in real time. You do a fantastic job of it. So thank you so much for hopping on, and I will be pestering you again down down the line. So thanks so much. Please do. Thank you.